Aloha, welcome to Succeed with Soul. I'm Natasha Lindor, your guide to gathering the courage to be who you really are. Get ready to lead, love, and live on your terms. Be the change you wish to see in the world. This is such an empowering statement from Gandhi, and one that starting last week, when Lisa Mitchell, communications expert, and I joined forces together to talk about our trauma so that you can join us in living in a more loving, compassionate, accepting world. And today on the podcast, we're going to continue the conversation with part two of the interview that she and I recorded. Again, this was back at the time when the Me Too movement was going on, but the conversation is still going on and there's still healing that needs to be done. So I wanted to make sure that you had the tools and perspectives to support you and your community and your loved ones as we all gather together to rise up and succeed with soul. Hey, it's Natasha Lindor here, and I'm so excited to help you succeed with soul with my very, very special guest that I have here with you today. And it's so timely how Lisa and I met. We um, realized that we have complimentary audiences Lisa Mitchell, and I'll give you a little bit more about her in just a minute, but this woman, talk about somebody with soul. She is embodying this idea of leading, loving, and living on your terms. And I'm so happy to have her today with us because we started a first conversation, which some of you may have already seen and heard. And we're continuing today because this topic of women helping each other. This Me Too movement is too important to just sit and leave it in the sidelines, in the dust for it to just be kind of media garbage, (laughs) you know, just to go off to the side and forgotten about. We are here to heal together and community. And Lisa and I, when we connected, she and I thought, hey, you know, we, we serve similar people. Let's talk about our, our different expertise. But then we realized that we both had a lot of passion around the power of women and how we can lift each other up and inspire each other so that we can all succeed. And so I'm really honored to have Lisa Mitchell here, known as the People Reader. She is a body language expert, communication expert, and executive coach who works with millennial women and to help women show up in all of our glory. So I'm so excited to have you here, Lisa. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Natasha. I love um, getting to getting to share with your audience. Yes. So uh, our last conversation, we chatted about this idea of pain, you know, and mm. how personal pain is really our power. And I'm just curious, you know, when you, especially from the place of, you know, being a woman and how you show up in a room, what's the connection between our pain and how we physically show up? Yeah, well, it's, it's huge. And um, one, of the, one of the things I really try to unpack with, with the clients and the women that I work with is you can, we're all going to have kind of two versions of ourselves. We'll have our, our home self and then we have our work self. But what, uh, what you're really re- remiss to your disadvantage if you don't acknowledge is that 
you bring both pieces of yourself into the workplace. Um, you may have other characteristics that, that shine a little more brightly in the work context that, that maybe don't show up as much as home. But if there's something that's tripping you up, if there's something that has put a ding in your confidence or has dimmed your amazing light, um, whether it's, it's trauma or abuse or, or some sort of unprocessed emotional um, situation that you have, your body communicates that and your body will convey that and, and send messages to other people. Um, even if you, even if you have all the right words, if you know how to say the right thing, you, you still are going to bring those experiences into the room with you. And, and it may not be super prevalent. Um, and it may not be, people may not be able to, to pinpoint exactly what's off, but they'll read you as maybe less confident. They'll read you as Maybe they, maybe they think you're less trustworthy. Wow. Maybe they won't feel like you're as competent um, or as capable as, as you really are based on your skill set. If, if you're showing up in this space with some sort of, of, of unprocessed or unnamed or uncared for um, element. That is huge, Lisa. The idea of unnamed, unprocessed stuff that's dimming our, our light, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially for women who are already at the top of their game, you know, like women who are achievers, who are, you know, yeah. bright already. So what, you know, what's, what's your personal story or, you know, not your, um, how does this show up for you? Like how, how did you find yourself into this work? Cause the work that you're doing isn't just, you know, simply, okay, here's what you do to be more confident. Right. It's so much more than that. I mean, you're talking about naming, naming stuff that's getting in the way of, of your light. So what brought you to all of, all of this? Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy because, um, we had talked on, on the kind of the first part of our conversation about how we're both type A's and we check boxes and we're traditional achievers and, um, you know, my, my strategy for a long time is that I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge or process or deal with, with any of my, my trauma or my experiences. Um, I'm going to outwork them. Hmm. I'm going to just do more. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to get more credentials. I'm going to climb up another ladder. I'm going to open another business. Um, I, I'm just going to kind of outrun. Yeah. I'm outrun all this stuff. Right. Because if I'm achieving, then people won't see how insecure I am or how, um, mm. how unconfident I feel or how um, sometimes unworthy I feel to be in that space because I'm just going to earn all my credentials. So right? it's like that achieving becomes kind of like a security blanket. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's compensation, right? I'm, I'm overcompensating on achievement and ambition. What I feel like I'm lacking from a self-worth um, or, or value standpoint. Right. So I had some major limiting beliefs in outdated software, as, as my friend calls it. Um, I had some major outdated software and a lot of that, like, honestly, you know, you asked what my story was, but I um, had some, some childhood trauma that really, I, I didn't know how to identify it or exactly what it was, or um, just kind of, it was in this ambiguous space of like, mm, didn't really feel right but I don't really know what it is and I didn't have language for it. So it must be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But then that showed up as 
oh gosh, I'm just, I'm not going to be a very confident kid and I'm going to, I'm going to comfort myself with food. So then I'm going to be overweight. And so then I'm going to be teased or bullied or outsided for that. And, and it just kind of like was this whole spiral of like not feeling good enough and, um, and not fitting in. And even when I changed physically and, and some of those obvious, some of the things I was obviously tripping over before kind of evolved then into emotional stumbling blocks, right? Like just being very cut off and being, um, uh, the, t- the term I coined for how I operate is, is surface skater. Surface right? skater, I like that. I would just skate on the surface with everybody. I wouldn't really like go deep. I wouldn't really reveal myself to anyone, even in relationships, even, even with boyfriends and partners. And then later on, um, when I was married, I kind of, I stayed in my comfort zone because I didn't want anybody to see what was underneath. And I can totally relate. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, okay, well, if people just see the, the shiny thing up top and the achievements and the, you know, the, the boxes that I've checked, well, then, then they'll like me or they'll accept me or they'll validate me. But don't, don't, don't look any deeper than that. Cause you, you know, there's nothing good down there. Or so you, or so you thought, right, you know, right. and, and that, in that space. So what did it take? So when, when you were in those times of, you know, having this, tra- you know, this trauma that happened and then were you conscious that you were like feeding yourself, you know, like eating, like that food was an outlet for you. Like, were you, I don't know how old you were, like where you were in your life or career when all this was coming up for you. Yeah. It's, it's, and I don't even, it's one of those things, you know, we, we talked in the, in our first conversation about how like revelation of where some of this comes into your awareness. And so I haven't really backtracked the whole cause and effect Mm -hmm. um, yet, but I don't know. I don't know exactly if I was aware of it, but it just became a pattern. It was like, oh, when I feel this way, you know, give me a little Debbie snack. <laughs> yeah. right. Or, or um, you know, it, it was just, there was just some weird, um, you know, kind of self-soothing correlation. You get in these, create these neural pathways. It's like, oh, if and then, if then scenarios, right? Oh, if I feel, you know, if I got picked on at school today, then I'm going to go home and do this, mm-hmm. right? And so it, it becomes kind of this this pattern of behavior, this cause and effect, and um, and and even as circumstances change and people perceive you differently, and your social circle broadens, and you kind of get to re-identify yourself as you age into different parts of your life, um, it's different but similar when it comes to the cause and effect, right? You don't, yeah. you may, you may get out of an old pattern, but I feel like now there's like new patterns. And so, you know, what, what did it, when you're facing those patterns, you know, when we think about the, this Me Too campaign and the fact that you have a daughter, you know, that's one yeah. of, one of the things, like when you're seeing all of this, you're thinking about your own patterns that you, you had and your own consciousness that you have now right. and the growing that you've done what comes up for you as a mom of a, a young girl in this context? Yeah, it's, um, it's really nerve wracking. (laughs) Like, honestly, it's, it, it brought up a lot of, um, it brought up a lot of shit for me, like Mm -hmm. to be candid and it, and it made me, it made me feel much more accountable for processing my own feelings because I have to understand and fix and resolve and heal. So I don't, 
I don't put those onto her. So I, I don't want to create problems for her that she doesn't have. And I, I don't want to project anything onto her. And, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to limit her either. So for me, like she, I'll tell you, like she just turned 12 and she is so self-assured and so confident and she is completely fine with who she is. And oh, mom, I'm sure you had something to do with that. You know, <laughs> fine. If people don't appreciate all, all her, you know, facets of her personality. And she's like the rule in our house is like kindness is the minimum. So everyone, you must be kind to everyone, but who you choose to invest your time and energy and emotions into is, is up to you. It's you, those go, those are reserved for people who honor you and appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm never one to be like, Oh, you have to be friends with everybody. No, you have to be kind to everyone, but really be selective about who you put your energy and time into. Cause I don't feel, I feel like I was very reactionary in my relationships. It was like, whoever accepted me, then that was who I was friends with. That mm -hmm. wasn't because mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to think, Oh, well, I'm, I'm really worthy of true deep friendships. I just have to go with whoever, you know, wants to hang out with me because that must be when I'm valuable. So for the, you know, for the person listening who is like, you know, I can relate to that, to that feeling of, Hey, I'm just hanging out with whoever is showing interest in me. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever job opportunities, what, you know, show interest in me. Right. What would you say to, to that, to the person listening who just feels like they're just taking whatever comes like how do they make that jump from being there to being like what you were saying your daughter has seemingly mastered at 12? Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, like I, I'm trying to learn from her mm. because I still find myself reverting back into those patterns of insecurity and those patterns of lacking confidence. And, and I do sometimes take what's in front of me. Mm -hmm. Like I, even now as an adult, who's, who's got perspective and skills, I don't always filter as carefully as I should about who I'm investing time into and what projects I'm taking on and, and having boundaries around things that aren't, um, matching my worth, mm -hmm. you know, even now. So, so for me, I think I I'm challenged more to really put effort into that because, um, I want her to see it done well. I love that. But she is like, she's showing me the way. Like, I love that. You know, so it's, it's kind of one of those things that I don't think she even realizes it, but I'm always like, oh, I wonder how she's going to maneuver this, this friendship situation. Or I wonder how she's going to decide, you know, her level of engagement with this person or that person. And because for her, it seems very just inherently like, yeah, like yes or no. That's so powerful because one of the things that, you know, it feels like so fundamental to the way that we show up in terms of succeeding with soul is that the people in our life are not, are not like, um, just randomly there. There's something to learn from everyone that's around you. And especially with kids, a lot of times people assume that as the parent, you're the one who does all of the disciplining and teaching and all of that. And there's that like kind of hierarchy, Yeah. but it sounds, and but I am a big believer that, you know, there's something to learn from everyone. It's so beautiful that one of the areas that you are learning and growing from is something that you have your, 
you have like a mini teacher, mini mastery teacher. Yeah, right? Hold you accountable. It's awesome. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her that she's as confident that she as she is, and um, we both have the the blessing of being very tall and and growing up being the tallest girl in our classes, or um, you know, bigger than the other girls. They're all still shopping at you know crazy eight or limited two, and we're like in the juniors department, or you know, like. So she's kind of, there's times where I, I get triggered from an insecurity standpoint because I'm like, oh gosh, I know how like that, how hurtful that was for me or, but she just kind of rolls with it. So I, I, I monitor myself and I try to just really commend her for like having healthy, a healthy outlook and a, and a good attitude. And I try to just even if really inside, I'm like, oh my God, this was like so awkward for me. And I remember exactly when somebody said that to me. I have to yeah. be like poker face, right? And and not put my experience onto her. Yeah, Which that is a really hard. It's hard though because you only know what you've lived yourself, and you assume everyone experiences it like you do. And she reacts completely differently to things than I did at that age. And that's huge that you have that self awareness to be like, okay, that was my experience. I'm not pushing it on her. She's. I'm allowing her to own her experience. So in the last episode, we were talking about space and like allowing people's space. And it's awesome that you're allowing yourself space to recognize, Hey, this is my stuff and allowing her space to like own her way of being as well. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes like I'm like yelling in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh, that must like, like I, I have so much like empathy, but Mm -hmm. it's, but it's empathy from how I experienced it. Not it's not appropriate for how she's experiencing it because she's yeah. processing it completely differently. So I just have to like really just try to remember that, but just honor her experience. And like, I can't fix my stuff through her. Yeah. Like I have to work on, I have to work on me and, and not put those things on her or I don't know. It's a weird, it's really a weird space. Like Natasha, I'm telling you, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't expect being a mom to a teenager to be like this, but it's awesome and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> Sounds like it's an awesome personal development experience. <laughs> it is. <you> know? <laughs> it is. It is. It's crazy. And I, and I try to just like take a breath and not be like, cause there's some things that she'll tell me and, and, and for me, it like instantly triggers like a, a fear or an insecurity or a negative experience for me. And I have to just be like, she's, this was different for her. Yeah. You know, and that's that's, that's huge, but it's hard. Cause really like inside, I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I want to have a completely different reaction, but I'm like, no, that's not, it's not appropriate. Cause she's had a totally different experience with this than I have. And so what feels hard about it to you? Like what's the, what, what feels like the hardest part when she brings up these things from school? Cause I'm imagining that it's some sort of traumatic thing or a thing that can be associated as something that is traumatic. Right. Yeah. It could be if she processed it that way, but she's got, she's got a high level of resilience already, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Cause she's just like, mm, whatever. Like I, I know what I am. Like it doesn't like her opinion doesn't really, you know, one of, one of the challenge questions that we've had that I, I think I say it as much for myself as for her is if she'll be, she had a little girl last year that was just a mean girl, you know, kind of the queen bee that just would, would 
amass an army and go after somebody. And um, it was her turn at, at one point, and there was just friction there. And I, I asked her as much for, for me as for her. And I said, you know, what power does this person have over you? You know, is this God? Is this your mom or dad? Is this like who, what value, what power does this person hold over you? And she's like, she's nobody. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Right. Wow. And then I'm like, gosh, I wish I could have just asked myself that when I was giving all this power and all this energy and all this feeding, all of this negativity, I wish I could have just been like, yeah, that you don't have any power over me and just been done with it. Yeah. That's really powerful. You know, I wonder, I'm curious, you know, in the, in the space of, um, feeling, feeling, you know, so do you feel like as, as she's going through her teenage years, and you were talking about like your surface skating ways before. Yeah. Do you think that it's, it's surface skating and just being like, okay, whatever, this doesn't bother me, or it truly is coming from a place of power? I think it, and that's a great question because I did worry. I'm like apples and trees, right? If, if I figured out surface skating was the path of least resistance, she probably will too. If I don't, but, but she is, she actually more so than I will then she'll go into the details and she'll talk mm. through like, Oh, well, this is what she said, but this is, this is how I felt about that. So I'm okay with it. Like she'll, wow. She touches on those feelings. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and so I've learned again, to just hold the space for her around that and, and let her disclose the level of detail at a timing that she feels comfortable with. But so I've, I know not to ask too many follow-up questions. Like she just has to vent it out for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the, the actual depth of the conversation will come in later, like an on a car ride or, you know, at a, you know, watching Fuller House on Netflix or something like, like then the rest of it will come out and I can kind of understand a little bit more about how she's processed things. But and that's, I mean, that's powerful. The fact that she's talking about what happened, her feelings about it, processing, and you're allowing her the space to have it. So, and I think for anyone listening, you know, when you're, when you, whether you're dealing with a daughter or a friend or somebody who is, you're like, oh man, that would totally trigger me, but they're having their own experience, allowing them to have their experience because it's important for their own growth and their own processing. Right. Well, and what I, what I find myself wanting to do isn't like, like she'll tell me something and then I'll want to tell her, oh, well, this is like, this is why it's not a big deal or this is why, how you should manage that. And just out of love and wanting to help her. But I've had to like, just shut up <laughs> and just hear her and then not have it. Cause she doesn't want me to fix things. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I know this as a woman, I don't want you to fix something for me when I talk to you. I just want you to hear me and see me and value me and just let me go for a minute and just shut up. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't That's funny, he's a communications expert, you know, right. like, you know, how the process of communication works. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, those who can't do teach, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, I'm learning this science and I'm, I'm diving into this communication sphere as much for my myself 
yeah. to fill the gaps that I know I have as I am to help other people. Like, so it's really completely self-serving. Um, yeah. But as a result, then I'm able to then say, oh yeah, now I understand this. Here's how, here's how it translates to you. Um, but for and me, a good point. not kick into that reflexive, like, oh, let me fix it for you. You know, mama bear mode. Yeah. And just be like, gosh, I really, I have so much I want to unload on this right now, but now's not the time. Cause I don't want to shut her down. You know, I don't want her to feel like, oh, I can't tell mom I'm going to get a lecture. That's so good. That's so good. Like shutting off that mama bear mode. You know, no, it's hard so though. Bad. Oh, it's still going. <laughs> it just doesn't come out in the moment. It's still, it's still in 110 and running and, and processing in the brain. But yeah. So if you, um, oh, so many good stuff, so much good stuff that you're sharing here. So if you go back to, um, if any of us are feeling triggered by, our own stuff, whether it's, you know, a friend shares something with us, a, a coworker shares something with us, you know, our own memories come up and we're starting to feel triggered and we're feeling like we need to get into mama bear mode and fix it and protect it. And, you know, what are some ways that you would suggest for us to be able to move through it, you know? So it doesn't show up in the way that we show, physically show up through our, through our body and the way we communicate. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really helped me is, is kind of putting structure around, around those thoughts. And again, around the idea of kind of holding space for, for my own process is um, I do a, a meditation practice. Hmm. Um, so I, I start setting intentions and, and kind of things that I want to see come into my day. And in, in the morning, but I feel like during that morning time, when I, when I create the space for myself, that's when I really feel, again, control. Because we talked, you know, type A, I want to control it. Um, so that's my way of surrendering in a controlled environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm setting the time, I'm choosing to engage, I'm inviting the process in. So there's my control element being, yeah. but then I, I mean, you know, you do the, the, the Kundalini yoga and it, like stuff. Once you get into that process, like what comes up, comes up and what you process through, you process through. Um, so that's the out of control element, but at least you set in the time and, and then kind of journaling afterwards of, of just kind of free form journaling. What else comes like, what else mm -hmm. do I need to see? Like, what else do I need revealed to me? And, and just, that's kind of how. Cause I, I know like when, when I start spinning, cause I, I think, you know, anybody that's, that's dealt with trauma or disappointment or missed expectations, like you kind of spin sometimes where you just get on this loop of your mind. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like, if I can just press pause, like on that loop and be like, okay, you've got 20 minutes tomorrow morning to run, run amok. Like my brain feels satisfied by that. Like, okay. Like I'm not going away, but I, I'm waiting for my time and then I can kind of move and stay, stay more present and just kind of move into that. And I love this, this way that you're talking about it. It really is on your terms. You have figured out for you that, hey, I need structure and I need to feel some control around this, but I don't want my life to be like hijacked by these thoughts. So I'm going to create very intentionally create this time and this space for meditation and journaling and then allowing some uncontrolled stuff to happen, but, yeah. you're, but it's still under kind of like your terms of you're giving it some space for it to come up. Yeah. And I think with that too, what I've learned is, is kind of having some, 
like self-compassion. So for the mornings that I sleep in and don't have time or, you know, the days I miss, or if I look at my journal and it's been four days, like not feeling like, oh, I, I failed because I didn't check a box or yeah. myself up because it's like, oh, well, you've promised to create space for yourself and you're not doing it. Because even good habits can feel like punishment if you mm -hmm. get into that, if you forget why you're doing it and it just becomes another like achievement or another mandatory thing. So I think it's been a good, that's been difficult for me because I, I am a box checker. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, oh, I suck. I didn't, <laughs> I haven't meditated in four days. I suck. My brain is going to be so, you know, off track, but it's like, okay. So clearly the lesson I need to focus on the intention I need to set for this session is compassion for myself. Yeah. Right? Wow. That's, <laughs> like, awesome. That's awesome. How you get to that point, you know, of, Hey, recognizing what you need for yourself. I yeah, because you just feel bad. It's like anytime I feel bad now, like anytime I feel like I'm judging myself, I'm like, okay, why? Like, is it a legitimate, yeah. is it a, a legitimate deficit or a legitimate problem that I'm tripping over? Or is it like me creating a problem out of something that just the, re the right response for this would be compassion, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. or empathy or, or cause it's when I'm not in alignment when my response is not in line and not in alignment with the circumstance, that's when I really feel like, ugh, just yuck, you know? And, and it's that awareness that you have about compassion is huge. And I feel like, especially right now when so many people are feeling a lot of compassion or there's so many disturbing things going on, whether it's the Me Too movement or things globally, you know, in nature, you know, there's all these crazy stuff going on. So being able to have that compassion. So, you know, um, I'm curious, you know, as a mom of a teenager, um, you know, where do you feel like there's the most amount of compassion that you need to have right now, especially as there's all of this gender inequality stuff going on. You know, I, I had read this, that article that you'd sent me about the one out of every 10 girls before the age of 11 is catcalled, you know? I mean, this yeah. is craziness, you know? And it's kind of like, how do compassion, and when you were saying to your daughter, like kindness is the minimum, how do you, find kindness and compassion in those kinds of situations. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I'll tell you like the, the mama bear thing. It's, it's for real. And, um, I, <laughs> I shared with you a, a brief synopsis that happened recently. So my daughter and I were, um, uh, we were driving down the, the interstate and we were just chatting and, and she's, she looks much older than she is. Um, and I, I was in a very similar space at her age. I got attention from people that had no business giving me attention. Um, and she does too. And it like incites a riot in my brain every time I see somebody look at her inappropriately. But we were just, she's minding her own business. We're, we're chatting. She's, you know, playing on her iPad. And, um, and there's a, a semi-driver beside us who I, I catch her, her demeanor change. And I'm like, what's up? And and she said, oh, something about I, um, this guy did something and I smiled. And then it, it was the equivalent of, a, of an obscene, inappropriate 
gesture or advance towards her just as we're driving down the highway. Oh my God. And just that moment of like blind rage mixed with like, keep it together. Cause like, she's going to watch you to see, first mm-hmm. of all, I was, I appreciated the fact that she was naive enough that she didn't really get the magnitude of, of what had been done. Um, on the other hand, I was completely enraged. Like, and I, I told her like, I'm like, okay, so here's what just happened. This is why it's inappropriate. This is like totally not your fault. You have no ownership in this. Like you, someone acted inappropriately towards you for no reason. Right. Cause I wanted her, I didn't want her to feel like she was in trouble or she had it yeah. was fault or anything. So I was just kind of unpacking it more to buy time for me. So I didn't run him off the road and rip him out of his semi and beat him in the face because Mm -hmm. that was what I wanted to do. Um, And I told her, and I, I, I did tell her, I under, I said, I'm very, very angry with him right now for acting inappropriately towards you. That is never okay. Right. So I was like, but inside I'm like, I'm going to run him off the road. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then he better, awesome. then he better yeah. hope it's a fiery crash because if I can get to him, he's going to be in even bigger trouble. Like yeah, sure. <laughs> so, these are two things running like in tandem in my brain at the same time. Um, but I, I try to be very measured in my response because I don't want her to ever, because what do we do? Right. When, when, even when someone acts any inappropriately towards us, like, especially with, with everyone sharing their stories about me too and harassment and abuse and assault, we own it. Yes. Right. Even clearly when there should be no ownership of a situation where it's clear victimization, we own it because it happened to us. Therefore it must be our fault. Yeah. Right. So I, I just wanted to be even, even in that moment, I wanted to be very specific to say, you have no ownership in this. Like and that's a really important thing. Invite this in, right? Because I, I feel like if I'm not explicitly helping her understand that, she, even if she never verbalizes it to me, I just know how I process. Oh, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. I did something to in, invite that into my life. And it's like, no, sometimes you really are just a victim. Sometimes somebody just does something really shitty to you. Um, and you don't have ownership in it. You're just, you just have the outcome. And how awesome is it that you spelled that out for her? I feel like if all of us who have experienced at the time of various trauma to have a voice, external voice that comes in and says, this is not okay. This was not your fault. This is what's going on to kind of verbally unpack it so that the voice inside doesn't automatically take that on to us. Yeah, I, I didn't want to make it a big deal because, like I said, she didn't really get the gravity of it, so I didn't want her to feel mm-hmm. bad about it once. So I, it was, a, I don't know. I wanted her to know that it wasn't appropriate what he did. She didn't understand exactly why. She's like, oh, I just thought he was being friendly or, you know, maybe he gets lonely when he's driving, you know, like she's so innocent about the whole thing. And I'm like, God, I love that. But it also terrifies me at the same time. Like, I like bless your innocent heart for like not, not being offended. <laughs> you know? So what would you say to the guys, you know, like, so this, the, the guys out there, you know, I mean, we've been talking about like the women and you know, how we process things, but what would you say to the guys? Cause they're half this equation too, you know? Yeah, they are. And it's, um, I think maybe just a big disconnect is not 
is just lacking the, the empathy to, to see what that would feel like. Right. If it, and I don't always know how to translate it into an equivalent offense. Right. Because usually it's like, oh, well, how would you feel if somebody did this or that? They would experience that particular situation completely differently. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. not really a relevant or helpful example. So I, I think just finding ways to build empathy that would that would say that would still get kind of the offended, the acted upon kind of offended feeling created for them and just have them kind of walk a moment in that situation and it doesn't matter if you have a daughter or, or you know sister or mom like I, you shouldn't have to know somebody in a situation to empathize with them right like that's yeah. that's what humanity should do for you um but but for the guys i think it really is like just think think downstream and and look at the look at the effect of of your action you know and and what would you say if you were driving that car? Mm. You know, how would you explain that to, to your daughter or yeah, I don't, I think it has to be talked about though. Like I think there's too many, um, I, I just, I, and I think a lot of times men will be offensive or aggressive or hurtful and just maybe not even know that that's how we experience things because mm -hmm. we, you know, the whole instant, oh, I, it's my fault, right? Like they don't understand that, that women historically will take ownership of something so quickly. They may think, oh, it's just a passing moment. And once it's done, it's done. But no, because now I've owned that. And now I'm going to spin on that to figure out what I did or what I didn't do or what I should have done differently. And it sets off this whole downstream that they they think is just a one and done, right? They don't, they don't think down the process. So maybe so just sounds, dialogue about, Hey, you know, this is what, this is what happens in my brain when someone cat calls me or when someone gropes me or when someone makes this kind of joke or uses this kind of language around me or my daughter, like this, this is really how I experience that. Did you know that? Like, yeah, the opening up the conversation, like again, the communication piece. So there's empathy and then sharing our experience. And I, I yeah, I totally um, agree with that. I think that's such a great point for the women listening, for the men listening, you know, um, having a dialogue, having a conversation. We all have, we don't live in a all girls or all men's world, you know, we're all interacting together. And to be able to have a conversation and share that experience of, of, how it made you feel. Yeah. And I don't think it's, it's necessarily on women to take ownership of, of educating men and boys about that. But I do think if you, if you're in a relationship with somebody where you've earned the right to, to oh. challenge them a little bit, to just, if you see something or you hear something or you overhear them telling, you know, an experience to just say, you know, like, this is how I experienced that kind of thing. Have you ever thought about like, like, I know your intention is not, but, but a lot of the work I do is about aligning intention and perception, right? Because my intention may be, oh, I'm, I'm going to say something to you. And I, my intention is for you to take it positively or for you to think it's a compliment. But I perceive that on the other end of that, we're misaligned because I perceive that as hurtful or threatening, you know, and it may be that the intention is good or maybe not good, but not malice. Like they think the intention is, is neutral or not harmful and they don't think through, okay, but how is this actually landing with the person on the other side of my face? 
you know, yeah. and that's a lot of what I do with, with nonverbal training and, and communication in general, even in a corporate environment is help helping question, okay, did, did you end up being perceived the way that you intended? And if not, you know, that's where conflict arises and misunderstanding and, and in business it's lost revenue or lost opportunity when there's misalignment and these types of conversations, when there's misalignment, there's fear and there's trauma and there's damage and there's confusion. It's, it's an equally negative reaction more so I think even than when you can put it in a corporate structure. Totally. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause the interpersonal realm, the rules are completely different and boundaries are even more difficult to define. And it goes deep. You know, yeah. it's not just uh, words, it's, it's feelings, it's a lot of um, emotional, the emotional stuff, you can't see it, you know, it's not like I pushed you on the shoulder or my words, I could see how it had an effect on you. It's a lot of communication happens so quickly and yeah. of the emotions happen so quickly. And you never know what the runway is going to be on that. Like you mm -hmm. don't know how long that, that comment or that action is going to resonate and, and reoccur for someone. You know, I think back, there was a time I, I'm trying to think this was before there was, there was text or really even most people didn't have computers, but this was in the note passing days, you know, like back in, in junior high or whatever. And I had ended up seeing a note that a guy had written to one of my friends and I was referenced in it with, with the nickname that wasn't even obscene, but it was something I was sensitive about and it was hurtful to me. And I still remember the feeling of reading that note. I mean, 25 yeah. plus years later, with, forget all the boxes I've checked. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I think about... I think about reading that note from that person who I thought was my friend and then knowing it was received by someone else and I wasn't defended. And then I was like, Oh, and then I still feel like I still right now with telling you that story, I still feel that like disappointed seventh grader feeling, you know, it's like, it, you don't ever know how long someone is going to continue to be impacted by that. By that. And that is so important to keep in mind, you know, whether it's conversation, like, you know, not impactful conversation, like, you know, whether you're going to say hi or not to somebody or how you show up every day, realizing that it can have a lot more lasting impact than you just yeah. saying these words or not saying words. Yeah. You never, you never know how somebody's going to experience that, what they're already coming into, what trauma they may have that they attach that to. You know, you just, you just never know. And the, the best thing you can do again, kindness is the minimum. Yes. You know, that's kindness is the minimum non-negotiable and then think about it from an empathetic standpoint. And, and if it's not something that you would want someone to continually experience, then why have them experience at once? And you've given us so many good tips here, you know, for those of us, you know, listening who want to, be able to process these emotions that are coming up for ourselves and for the people around us. Because like you said, this stuff shows up in the way that we show up, how confidently we show up, the light. And everybody listening, you, everyone has, each one of you have such bright lights. And to know that it is okay to have compassion for yourself, be empathetic, and to align your 
intention and your perception because we don't know how long the runway is going to be in a, a particular comment or a particular situation. So being aware and mindful of it. And Lisa, you are so good at this. I know you packaged um, a lot of this learning and everything in a course. Where can we find information about this course? You know, learn more. Where can we find you? Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to hold the space for this conversation. And um, I, I, it's fun to see where it went. And, uh, yeah. and thank you for letting me share some of my story with your audience. Um, hopefully it encourages and, and helps people know, you know, they can show up confident in a room. And um, if they want to know more from a, a tactical standpoint, from a, a strategic standpoint around body language and nonverbal skills, uh, they can find me at powerbodylanguage.com. Uh, the course you mentioned is at powerbodylanguage.com slash courses. Um, they can also connect with me, Lisa Mitchell on LinkedIn, um, Lisa Mitchell on Twitter. Um, so I would, I'd love to carry on the, the conversation. Thank you so much, Lisa. Like this conversation has been so great because this, I hope, has inspired you listening to start your own conversations with other women, men, you know, just to, just to talk about what's coming up. You're not, you might not find out a solution, but your healing, your talking about it will inspire stuff to come up and for you to process through things, just talking it out each time a different angle. Like Lisa and I had our conversation the first part, this part took a whole different angle and just feeling the, the energy shift. So thank you so much again, Lisa, for being with us here today. Yeah, thanks for having show. me. And I hope that I hope everybody will check out part one as well. It's at the the People Reader um, show on the Woodage Network. You can find it on YouTube, or it's also on iTunes at the People Reader. Um, and then we'll. I think we're gonna, the plan is we're going to cross pollinate these as well. So yes. both episodes will end up both on on your podcast and mine. So I hope um, this has been this has been a really amazing conversation, Natasha. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and and this is just a. An, um an example of what happens when you show up. And I literally, when Lisa and I got introduced to each other, like, okay, great, let's just meet and see what's going on. And um, I feel like we did our own level of healing in our conversation. And so I invite all of you to do that as well. Um, not to have, go into a conversation with any kind of agenda and just trust the people that are flowing into your life are exactly the people that you need to have to help you succeed with soul so you can lead, love, and live on your terms. Signing off until next time, I'm Natasha Lindor with Succeed with Soul podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here, me and Lisa today. We have had a blast. If you want to, if you like this and you want to chat more and continue the conversation, you can find me on Facebook at Natasha Lindor or head over to my Facebook group Succeed with Soul Facebook group where we'll continue the conversation there as well. Until next time, succeed with soul.